everybody, what's up? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Growth Bomb Podcast, your weekly guide for explosive success. Today, I talked with Wendy Papazan of Papazan Properties, and we had an awesome conversation about real estate and investing, but even more so, how she grew a million-dollar business in five years and still had a life. Went from being a stay-at-home mom to two kids to really building this empire and creating different sources of passive income that have allowed her and her family to take vacations you know throughout the year and focus on the priorities in their life that really make them happy but continuously have those streams of income uh, that allow that to happen so tune in today this is an awesome episode Wendy's a fellow Wisconsinite so you can't go wrong and she just has some great tidbits and pointers and strategies on how you too can take control of your personal and professional life and your business by setting goals with your partner and taking action to make those happen. So tune in. I'll turn it over to Wendy. Are you ready to reach higher levels of success? I'm Jenna Atkinson and Growth Bomb Podcast is your weekly guide to explosive success. There's no better time than now to improve your business and life. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Growth Bomb Podcast, your weekly guide to explosive success. This is Jenna Atkinson, and I'm excited to be joined today by another fellow Wisconsinite who actually is based in Austin now, but still has those awesome Wisconsin vibes going. My guest today, Wendy Papazan, um, leads real estate teams in Austin, Texas, St. Louis, um, and just has a ton of awesome things going on. After only eight years in business, she sold over $250 million in real estate. Million. And in 2017 alone, she and her team sold more than 250 homes. That is crazy. Just really killing it. Not only that, she's a community activist, philanthropist. She's the chairman of the board of KW Kids Can, a nonprofit that helps young adults think bigger and grow their wealth. And last year, she raised $150,000 for Heroes for Children, a Texas nonprofit that helps children with cancer. In addition to that, if that's not enough, she's also married to New York Times bestselling author Jay Papazan, who also has been a guest on the podcast, um, author of The One Thing, amongst many other great books. And they are the proud parents of Gus and Veronica and also have a dog named Taco. So, Wendy, thanks for being on. Thank you so much, Jenna. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I was out in, we were just talking about, I was out in uh, California. Keller Williams had their annual... Keller Williams family reunion, which by the way, was huge, like 20,000 people, I think. And, um, you just gave an, I I think you had a couple of presentations, but the one I saw was just incredible. So I'm wondering if you can kind of give a summary of that for us. So walk us through how you got started in real estate and why you got started. I think that's interesting too. And how you got to where you are with your massive success today. Sure. Well, so I really got started in real estate when Jay wrote a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And at that point, I became a real estate investor. We were flipping properties. We were buying properties, remodeling them. We developed a little subdivision in Austin. And the reason I did that is that I had um, recently had two babies. My kids are really close in age. They're 16 months apart. And so I was a stay-at-home mom, but uh, I wasn't very good at being just, just a stay-at-home mom. So the real estate stuff really piqued my interest. And then when my son um, started kindergarten at age five, after I'd been doing it for about five years, 
because I thought, well, maybe I'll get my real estate license in order to save money on investment properties. So that's really why I got started. And the other reason I got started is, is that, you know, my husband, although he's a very well-known real estate expert, he's never actually done any real estate deals. So he was strongly encouraging me to get my real estate license so that we could become a team and sort of give him validity. <laughs> that's where it all started. I love it. So you started off um, a limited schedule, at least for time, because I know, you know, family is still a big priority for you. So you started off and tell us a little bit about what your schedule is like when you sure. started and how you balance both and how that's kind of shifted now that your business has grown to be so big. Sure. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think one of the things that I'm pretty good at is, um, you know, balance or as I like to call it counterbalance. I don't think there's you know, when you run your own business, I don't think there's really such a thing as, as perfect balance. You know, every day is going to be, you know, one day might be crazy, the next day might be great, but I really believe in this idea of counterbalance. And so my schedule when I started was really part-time. So my son was starting kindergarten, my daughter was still in daycare, and she was done at noon every day. So essentially I had from, you know, whenever I dropped my son off or whenever I dropped my daughter off at daycare at eight in the morning, till about noon when I picked her up to do to run business and then also do all the things you know that I had to do as a as a mother you know go to Target go grocery shopping get the house cleaned all that kind of stuff and I really did that for about two years until my daughter started kindergarten and I just slowly leveraged things out at home and at the office and I think that's maybe one of my superpowers is really understanding what I'm good at and, you know, running in my own lane and then letting everybody else take care of the things that I'm not good at. So explain a little more about what you meant by saying counterbalance. What do you mean by that? Sure. Well, so, you know, both my husband and I are, you know, between the two of us, we own, I don't even know how many businesses. And, you know, we sort of have a work hard, play hard mentality. So, for instance, when we went to California, we were away from our kids for about five days and um, in preparation for that, like the day before I left, I took the day off and I was able to spend a lot of time with my kids. And then when we came home, uh, we were both able to take time off to spend time with my family. So instead of just coming home and jumping back into everything, we really thought, you know, we're going to plan and take two days with our family. And we probably take six weeks of vacation every year. So we literally take a vacation with our family about every six weeks. Um, and it's that kind of counterbalance that lets us uh you know be sane essentially that's awesome and i love that um you're finding those ways to do both at the same time because i'm totally with you i love the work hard play hard i'm a new mom like i just talked about a seven month old at home so really just trying to get back into the swing of okay how do i balance or counterbalance or not balance sometimes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's the yeah. best way to keep these going all you know like like you said you got your mom you got to get your target runs in you got to do all these other things but you still want to build a strong successful business so how do you not feel that guilt of oh my gosh am i getting the other things done that i need to for my family and my kids and my business and how do i keep everyone happy and it, it yeah. it's stressful well, it is very stressful and the guilt never really goes away until they're probably like my age. So my kids are 12 and 13 now. And, you know, it used to be that we would come back from family reunion, which is this big event that we do every year. Our kids would be so excited to see us and they'd run and greet us at the door. And now that they're 12 or 13, they were both playing video games and we got, <laughs> and it was, hey, what's for dinner? You know, <laughs> um, 
but until you get to that point, and and there still is a counterbalance that goes on, but just just understand that the guilt doesn't really go away. I had a big aha moment when I was taking a class, and um, I realized, you know, my kids literally say to me all the time, "You're the best mom in the world," and I thought you know, what other metric is there for me, Mm -hmm. right? What am I comparing myself against? Do I need to be that mom that's like makes the cupcakes and brings them into school? Or, you know, is like, what's the metric? The metric is really, do my kids think I'm the best mom in the world? Okay, great. Well, then I'm winning, right? (laughs) That that helped with the guilt a lot. Of course, you have a seven month old, so she can't, this is she, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. She can't, she can't tell you that yet, but, um, you know, your mom is your mom and you're never going to have another mom. So we just all do the best that we can every single day and just know that some days you just fail. I mean, I had plenty of days where, you know, I was late picking up my kids from school and they sat in the office waiting for me. And obviously I didn't do that every day, but you know, that stuff like that happens and yet, you know, what doesn't kill them makes them stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. And another thing that I thought was really interesting, I think it might have even been um, in a presentation that Jay was giving um, at the family reunion this past week was obviously about his book, The One Thing and Goal Setting. And something that I had never really heard before, but I think makes a ton of sense is a lot of business owners specifically are are big on setting goals, but they do it individually and they think about their own personal goals and they think about, you know, that might include their family and their kids or their spouse or their partner or whatever. And they think about their business goals. But what they were talking about um, was the importance of finding time and being consistent in setting goals with your spouse or with your, your other half. Um, and that can include your business goals, but just being a team. So I know you and Jay are, are really big on that. So can you talk a little bit about how you guys goal set together, both for your personal and professional goals and why it's important to you that you do that together instead of separately? Sure. Sure. Well, so I think we first did that probably about 10 years ago when we had, you know, two kids under two and it was really a way for us just to get away and reconnect as a couple, you know, because if you think about it, for me, my number one relationship is with my spouse. For a lot of people, I think their number one relationship is with their children. But for me, it's with my spouse because, first of all, I picked my spouse. I tell that to my kids all the time. I love <laughs> your dad because I picked him. And then, and then secondly, you know, my kids are going to they're going to be gone someday. Not that they're going to be gone out of my life, but 80 percent of the, all the time that you're going to spend with your children is before they leave for high school. So I need to be in love with my husband after they leave. And, you know, there are systematic ways to make that happen. And so we did our first retreat probably about 10 years ago. Um, it was two nights away. It was somewhere in the you know Texas Hill Country. We got a little cabin, and we planned a whole weekend around it. And it was a weekend of goal setting, but also of romance. So we got a massage, and we had a nice romantic dinner, and and then we dug into these questions. And um, and I'm happy to send these questions to you, Jenna, or any yeah, of your listeners. Happy to do that. And the questions were not just about our business, which at the time I didn't run a real estate business. Um, and actually Jay didn't, we didn't have the businesses that we did, but it was a way for us to connect on, you know, what do we want for our children? What are our financial goals look like? Um, what are our goals for our marriage? You know, how's our sex life? What, you know, what do we want to send our kids to private school? 
And it was really a very powerful kind of intense discussion that set the baseline for us really for the last 10 years. And so now every year we go on a similar retreat. Um, Sometimes, you know, if things are crazy, we just get a hotel room in downtown Austin and we just take one night away. Sometimes like a couple years ago, we, we took a trip to Maine or, you know, whatever, whatever you have the bandwidth for. And then also what we do at that retreat is, is we plan our vacations for the whole year. So this retreat's typically in October or November, and we plan all of our vacations for the following year. Because I think a lot of people, especially people who run their own businesses, they don't take a vacation, right? Or they just work. They work their whole vacation. And so for us, that's really important for the counterbalance. And then I think the other thing that's been really important for our relationship is to um, – is to have a date night. So that started early on as well. We have a Wednesday night date night and we picked Wednesday purposefully because it's a lot easier to get a babysitter on Wednesday than it is Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, hump day. It gives you something to look forward to in the middle of the week. And, you know, it's not, you can go to a restaurant. It's not crowded. You don't have to wait, all that stuff. And uh, it's just been, it's been amazing. And everybody in our life knows that Wednesday night's date night, it's sacred. Um, you know, occasionally we'll, you know, go out with other couples, but it's really something that we've kept very sacred over the years. And I think, you know, so I look back on it now, we've probably been over 500 date nights. <laughs> nice. Just think about what that, you know, does for your relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you do this annual, you know, goal set and you actually call it a retreat. It sounds very formal and very business. Yeah. Obviously you said you have, you know, your fun and romantic side of it too, but I- there's some, you know, formal aspect to it. I talk to a lot of my friends and even my own husband and we talk about, oh, you know, we talk about our goals all the time or we're in the car and we, we talk about it. We're on the same page, but it's not really like a formal process. So right. once you go to this retreat, do you put it in writing or how do you follow up with it throughout yeah, the year to make sure you're staying on track? Writing. I mean, we have, a, um, you know, we have a whole document that we've created over the years that we've been adding to, you know, we have one page of it that's our, Passive income. So our goal is to get more and more sources of passive income. So we have basically a wheel with all of our sources of passive passive income. We have um, on on our goals. We have individual goals, of course, growth goals for me and growth goals for Jay. Uh, we have family goals, what we want for each children. We have health goals. We have you know our vacations on there. Any spiritual goals that we have, and then you know of course the business goals as well. I love it. Okay, so I think that's a good transition. I want to talk a little bit more specifically about your business and and real estate, if that's cool with you. Sure. All right. So um, you you just mentioned passive income, and I think when people think of real estate, even if they aren't looking to become a real estate agent full time or get into that business, you know, as their business, they've heard that real estate is a good investment opportunity, especially for passive income in some ways, whether that's flipping properties or rental properties. Um, right now, you know, the market is a lot more, a lot more focused towards sellers. So is there still opportunities for investors to get in this market or should they wait? What is, what is your opinion on that? Sure. Well, I mean, I tell everybody, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the mm-hmm. second best time, of course, is today. And it's the same with real estate. And there are good deals in every single market. 
Um, and if you know if you're in a market where it doesn't make sense to own an investment property, you can buy a property in somewhere else. So, for instance, if you're in California, and your average price point is 1.2 million, and it's it's not going to cash flow if you buy a property, you can contact a real estate agent in another place where it makes a lot more sense. So we have a, a office in St. Louis, Missouri. And we just helped a California investor buy 30,000 property, or not 30,000, 30 properties. Um, she essentially sold one duplex in California and she bought 30 properties. Oh my God. That cash flow. Yeah, they're about $52,000 each. And the cash flow is amazing. And it's a turnkey kind of situation where she gets a portfolio loan. Um, there's already a property manager in place. And, you know, she's not going to make the kind of appreciation like she would in California, but that's not what she's looking for. She's just looking for passive income. Wow. That's incredible. So what are your, um, when people are looking for those types of opportunities, I mean, what is what is your advice for someone who is just getting into that potential arena of real estate investing? Should they look at flip properties or um, long-term rental properties, or is it based on their individual goals? Well, yeah, of course. So we would always ask everyone what their individual investing goals are. That's where we would start. And just to be clear, um, flipping properties is not passive income. Flipping properties is a lot of work and it's not passive. So I would not include flipping properties in the passive income. Um, it's definitely real estate investing, but we've, we've done very little of that just because it's a job, you know, it's a full-time job for most people who do it. Um, but as far as a baseline, here's what I would tell you to do. So I would, and this is really for anybody in any market. I would encourage you to buy a duplex, which in Austin, that means two properties that are attached, right? But you buy them together. I don't know what it's called in Madison. Yep, same. Same. Okay, perfect. And so I would live in one side and I would rent out the other. And if I was single, I would probably get a roommate uh, to live with me. So I'd rent out one side. And let's say, so for instance, in Austin, you can buy a duplex for, say, probably like two two seventy five. $275,000, which is about, um, that's about $2,300 in um, taxes, insurance, and your mortgage. And you could rent one side out for $1,200. And then you could get a roommate or two roommates and rent the other side out for, say, you know, $900 between the two roommates. And between the two, you'd be at $2,100. And so you're living there for only a couple hundred dollars. And there's lots of places in America where you can actually live for nothing or you're actually making money while you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that would be my recommendation. Buy that duplex and live in one side. That's awesome. And I love I love talking to you about this because I think there, even with my brief research about um, a couple different markets, I think the Austin market is fairly similar to um, Madison right now, just the price point you mentioned and um, – what the inventory I think is like right now as well. So. Yeah, yep, it's tough. And yet, you know, I think about our, our very first rental property was our first home and we bought it in, in, at the peak of the market in a neighborhood that, um, ended up gentrifying and, you know, gaining an appreciation. But our very first home we paid, we, we, we bought it for 175. 
we only put three and a half percent down. And if you're an investor, you you have to put more money down. That's why when you live in a property, you can get it for so much less, yes. right? Because you put so much less down. So we bought it for three and a half percent down, which was about $6,100. We lived in it for three years and it's been a rental property ever since. And now it's appreciated where it's worth over about five, over $525,000. So that's 6,000 and we've paid down the debt. Well, actually we haven't paid down the debt, right? Other people, <laughs> they're complete strangers have paid our mortgage off for us. Even better. Right? Way better. And so we've turned that $6,000 into over $400,000. And it, you know, it hasn't been quick. It's taken 15 years to do that. And yet, I don't know what other investment you could do that in. Absolutely. Probably nothing. Absolutely. Probably nothing. Yeah. So, so it sounds like there's a lot of potentially, if you, you know, do your research there in any market, there's still some good opportunities out there. What yeah. are, what are the big pitfalls or problems that um, people can have if they jump in too fast or they don't do their research? Sure. Well, and just for complete honesty and transparency, I mean, most of the properties that we purchased when I, before I was a real estate agent are not like the perfect properties at all. I mean, I bought this little house off Craigslist. It was 670 square feet. It had two bedrooms. One of the bedrooms didn't even have a closet. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I literally bought like the worst house <laughs> and uh, without a real estate, I mean, without a real estate agent, even though my husband worked at Keller Williams, it was terrible. Um, and so, and yet that's turned out to be a great investment property for us because we've held on to it. So time typically cures most problems. I think where people get into to problems is, is they think, oh, I'm going to jump into it for 18 months and I'm going to make money on it. No, this is a get, you know, real estate investing is a get rich slow scheme. And that's, that's the advice I give to everyone, you know, buy something, hold it. And, you know, like Warren Buffett said, the best time to sell a good asset is never. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would say, you know, aside from that, um, if I had to do it all over again, I would probably buy, you know, I'd start with the duplex because once you've purchase that duplex and lived in it for a couple of years, then you can, you can move out and buy your next one. Um, and if you don't want to do the duplex thing, like you're uncomfortable with that, then I would just go ahead and buy your first home and live in it for a couple of years and then, and then, and then move up and keep your first home as a rental property. It's an easy, cheaper way to get into something. Um, I recommend buying a three bedroom, two bath, just because those are the most saleable later, at least in our market, you know, and every market might be slightly different. Um, I like houses that are brick because they're less maintenance, something that has a newer roof, a newer air conditioner. Obviously, in, in Madison, maybe that's not as important as it is in Austin, but it's important to have a good AC here. Um, a newer water heater because those are all big ticket items that are going to cost a lot of money out of pocket. Um, and then just put enough money down where it's always going to cash flow. So just look at the rents in the area and how much money do you have to put down. Um, and actually, the last rental property we bought, which is about – a year and a half ago, it was that's pretty much what it looked like a three two all brick. Uh, we had to put thirty percent down in Austin to make a cash flow, uh, but it's just a great little investment property. Very cool, very cool. All right, so let's take a step back for a second. You've talked a lot about um, you know your business and some of the cool things that connect your personal life with your business and, and goal setting in that way. What would you say overall? Business, personal, all of it together is your definition of success. 
Um, well, I think success is in life is really being able to um, fund your perfect life with with enough passive income so that you can pursue your dreams. Right. I don't believe that we were just put on this earth to pay bills and die. I believe that we all have a purpose and uh, it's a lot it's a lot bigger than most people think their purpose is. But a lot of us can't pursue our purpose because we're sort of bogged down with the day to day. And we live in a world where, you know, you can literally make you can you can make money today if you wanted to. If I wanted to go make two hundred dollars today. Anybody listening to this podcast could make $200 today. You could go become an Uber driver. You could go sell a bunch of stuff on eBay. There's just lots of things that you could do, which we've never been able to do that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like in the history of man, basically. And, and so we have all have the ability to, to become business owners and create passive income for ourselves and fund our perfect life. So I just think that's the definition of success is being able to do that. What do you think has been a personal habit or trait of yours that's helped with your success? Um, well, I, I'm not a particularly habitual person. I live with someone who's habitual, so that's, <laughs> that's helped me out a lot personally. Uh, but I would say really the kind of your, the morning routine. So for me, my first domino is getting enough sleep. So that means you know, the habit of going to bed on time, I go to bed between 10 and 1030 every night, and the habit of getting up early. So I get up usually before five, my alarm, I, I don't, I don't have an alarm clock. Um, most people who are very successful and um, wealthy tend to get up at least three hours before they start work. So I was up at 445 this morning. Um, I finished a book, I started another one, I was able to check my email, spend time with my children, you know, have breakfast with them, play with my dog, all that stuff happens before I go to work. So that when I start work, I'm, I'm clear with my intention. And then three days a week, we have a personal trainer that comes to our house and we work out with a personal trainer at 530 in the morning. That's awesome. Okay. All right. So just to wrap things up, let's do a part of the show we call the knowledge explosion round. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions really quick, and you shoot back the first answer that comes to mind. Sound good? Okay. Sure. All right. So here's the knowledge explosion round with Wendy Papazan, Keller Williams Real Estate. Here you go. All right. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Leverage early and often. What is your favorite business or professional development book? Well, the one thing, of course. Of course, of course. Biased, <laughs> biased. Um, what is a business app or a website that you couldn't live without? Um, I don't know. We're using GroupMe a lot for our team. That's probably not the first one, but that was the first one that came to my head. Do you have a favorite social media platform for your business? Uh, we use Instagram and Facebook. Who is one thought leader other than Jay this time, of course, that you follow? Oh, well, for sure. Gary Keller. I've learned a lot from him. Oh, that's like a, that's like a side Jay. Come on. <laughs> I know. I'll still take it. I'll still take it. It was good. Yeah. Okay. Well, my second one is uh, Sarah Blakely because she's, uh, you know, first, uh, you know, billionaire who mm -hmm. made her business under age 40 and total badass. And I just admire her. Yes. Awesome. I love it. What is one piece of advice for listeners of this episode? 
I would say since we talked a lot about starting your starting your business in real estate is that if you haven't if you don't own your own home, then go ahead and look and see what it takes to purchase your own home. And if you do own your home, start thinking about how you can create passive income through real estate by owning investment properties. I loved it. You have survived the knowledge explosion around Wendy. You killed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just to wrap things up, I know we've talked about a lot of different opportunities and action items and things that people can think about or, or do after this episode. And I'm sure people's wheels are turning. Mine definitely are. Um, but after li listening to this episode, what is the one concrete action step they should take their earphones out or shut off their computer and take in their career, business, or life to be more successful? Um, I would say probably for me, like I said, my first domino is, is sleep. So look at your sleep habits. There's a great book called Sleep Smarter and take a, uh, you know, read that book, see where you're at with your sleep because without that, you know, nothing is really possible. I love it. If people are looking to connect with you or learn more about what you have going on, maybe interested in some Austin or St. Louis real estate, how can they connect with you? Sure. They can go to papazamproperties.com or I'm on Facebook uh, or I'm on Instagram. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Wendy. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Everybody, this has been another episode of Growth Bomb Podcast, your weekly guide to explosive success. We will catch you again next week. Like this episode? Rate Growth Bomb on iTunes and share the link. Get highlights of today's show, check out previous episodes, and get access to additional resources for business and personal success at growthbombpodcast.com.